0: Last week, some of you got to hear Virel and his message. And I think it was pretty special, his message. And I think one of the reasons that it was special is because of his heart. You could hear his heart, right? It wasn't that he was really deep theologically. It wasn't that he came out and brought a big lesson and brought you to new depths within the Scripture. But instead, rather what he did, he talked about faith, He talked about how that faith worked out in his own life. His son was with him, Benny, who's 25, and Benny sang a song up here. He actually wrote that song. And his son shared a little bit about faith and how you have to live it out. It's not just what you know, but you have to actually do it, right? And that's exactly what his song was about. It's not enough right? It's not enough just to come to church. It's not enough just to read your Bible. It's not enough just to be baptized by your favorite pastor. It's not enough. It has to be more. It has to be living out this faith, and that really inspired me. You know, I got to meet him years back. I explained that before, but I've also got to meet other pastors around the world. It's been really a blessing, I get to travel to Africa, I get to travel to Asia, I get to travel to South America and different parts of the world. And when I go to those places and I get to spend time with pastors, it's those pastors that have that passion and that heart that live out what they know. It's like, that's what I want. I go out there, it challenged me. It challenged me when I meet people like VRL and I meet people like Benny and so many others, it challenges me to what the church is all about. Right? We're, we're a people that are supposed to come together and do the will of God. We gather on a Sunday morning and we hear a message like we're going to hear this morning. And when we hear the message, it's not just supposed to be for knowledge's sake. We're not just supposed to tuck it away back in the annals of our minds so we can pull it out at another day. No, it's supposed to change the very way that we live. And is that happening? What James is going to say is you're just not hearers of the word, but you need to be doers of the word. Hearing isn't enough. You have to do what you hear. He goes on, and not in our passage this morning, but he'll take it to the extent where he'll say faith without works is what? Dead. Dead. And understand, James isn't talking about works that bring your faith. He's talking about those that are saved, those that believe that belief will bring about works. It'll bring about action. And that's the title that I gave it, Real Faith Produces Action. And we're going to see that. The book of James, just to give you a little bit of an overview real quick, the book of James is written by James, the brother of Jesus. He is a believer, obviously, and he's writing to believers. He's writing to those that are dispersed in the area, the 12 tribes. In the book of James, if I could summarize it or give you an idea of what it's really about, it's a test of the living faith. James is going to walk through different areas in your life, and he's going to say, okay, here's the test for you. He starts off at the very beginning, and it's your reaction to trials. Test of a living faith. How do you act during trials? When trials come upon you, do you still have joy? Do you understand that they're for your benefit? Do you understand you can grow through these trials? And that's what he addresses first. After that, he talks about a believer's reaction to temptation. And he'll say, do you understand that that temptation is really derived from inside of you? It's your own own evil desire that's making you go after things. And you can't blame it on God. And then thirdly, the third test would be a believer's reaction to the Word. And that's the passage that we'll be reading today. It starts at James 1.19. If you'd open your Bibles there, we'll read that. And we go through verse 25. Starting verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for everyone that's here in this room. God, as we look into your word today, I pray that you would just illuminate it to our hearts. God, prepare us. Help us. Lord, may we be a church that totally, that wants to change, that wants to grow, not just seeking knowledge, but seeking how to live our lives in a way that would be wholly pleasing to you, Lord. So God, we need you in that. We need your word. We need your spirit to guide. And Lord, we need each other in this venture as well. So I pray you bless this morning, Lord, as we look at this text, and may we be different when we walk out. Father than when we walked in, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So imagine with me, if you would, a sailor that's on a ship and he's out at sea. And the sailor's been out at sea for several days, and he has with him a company of men, maybe close to a hundred, that are working with him on this ship. The skies are blue, the sea is calm, and they're just out there floating, and everything's going pretty normal up to this point. But all of a sudden, he gets a radio call from back on shore. The captain picks up the radio, and he hears the person that's speaking to him from the other side. This person says, I have some bad news for you. You're headed right for a storm. I'm calling from the Coast Guards, and I want you to know that if you don't do something immediately, that you're going to go right in the storm, and this is a terrible, severe storm, and it's going to overtake you. But I can tell you exactly what you need to do. So the captain of the ship, respecting that this is a Coast Guard, knowing that they can see everything that's going on, he starts receiving what this Coast Guard is telling him over the radio. The Coast Guard proceeds to tell him, you need to turn your ship 45 degrees north. Not only do you need to turn your ship 45 degrees north, but you need to speed your ship up. You need to speed it up as fast as your ship can go, because if you keep going in the direction you're going, within 30 minutes, you're going to reach disaster, peril. You're not going to make it. The captain writes down the instructions on that piece of paper after he received them. He hangs up, puts the radio back down, and all of a sudden he gets caught up in what he was doing before he picked up that radio. He walks out of the room, leaving that piece of paper right there on top of his desk. He walks out of the room, and he doesn't do anything with what he was told from the Coast Guard. Twenty minutes later, the ship starts seeing rough sea. He runs up to his office, he grabs that piece of paper and he says, oh no, I was supposed to turn 45 degrees and he hurls the ship 45 degrees to the north, but it's too late. Because within the next 10 or 15 minutes, he's in the throes of this storm and it ends up overtaking him. He loses his life. All that are on the ship lose their life because he didn't heed the instructions that he got from the Coast Guard. Now, if that was a true story and we read about that in the paper, we'd say, well, that's just ridiculous, right? He knew he was going towards peril. He knew that there was danger up ahead. He should have took right away, before he did anything else, he should have got this piece of paper and followed the instructions. After all, he trusted them, didn't he? He trusted, he knew who they were and he trusted what they said. He received the information, he wrote it down, but he didn't do anything with it. And you see, sometimes we can do that in church. We can receive instruction. We can be pointed to the word, which we say, well, we trust this. This is God's word. We trust everything that this says. And it points to something in our life, something that needs to change. If we don't change it, we're headed right for doom. But yet we just put it down after church and we walk out the doors and we do nothing with it. You see, that's foolishness. If we can say that captain of that ship was foolish, if he was to do something like that, then we must be able to agree if we do something like that with the word of God, which is eternal truth, then we must be foolish people as well. In church, we don't want to be foolish people. So James is going to give a warning in this text. Starting at verse 19, let's go ahead and look at that. It says, No. This, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear. And there's the command, quick to hear. Slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So when you come in this morning to this room or you go to your Bible study, are you quick to listen? Because you see, just like that captain was able to listen through the radio, you need to be able to listen to the word that's being taught to you, right? And James says you have to be slow to speak and slow to become angry because anger doesn't bring about the righteousness of God, right? So your heart has to be right. So the question is, do you come in this room holding some bitterness, holding some anger? Is there something inside of you that's going to stop you from listening? Sometimes we bring the world with us, right? And the world can drown out the word. Sometimes we bring in problems when we come in the room and we sit in here. And we're not really ready to listen because we're thinking of our week. We're thinking of the busyness. We're thinking of everything that goes on or problems or troubles or something else. The question is, are you ready to listen? Have you been ready to listen? All those times that you sit in church and you learn a new lesson, are you really listening intently? Do you really believe and trust the person who is coming from Is there validity in what you're taught? So the question is Are you ready to hear God's word today? What will you do with what you hear today? Did you come here to be changed by God's word? Or do you think that you already have all the answers? See, the man that's quick to speak, he speaks because he thinks he already knows. So when someone tries to reason with them, when someone tries to teach them the truth, it just wants to give an answer right away. It's pride. When we're confronted with maybe an area in our life that needs to be changed, all of a sudden we'll justify, we'll throw up the the wall, right? And say, oh, but you don't understand everything that's going on in my life. If you lived in these shoes, you wouldn't be telling me that. And we're quick to speak, quick to have an answer. We're quick to get angry. But are you ready to hear today? Proverbs 18, 13 says this if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. So we should just be ready to just hear, to soak in what the Lord has for us. Are you ready to grow? But you still need to prepare yourself because look at the next verse, verse 21. Since you know you need to hear, he says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. I love this because it says put away, and then after it says receive. See, you have to do more than just listen, but you have to receive God's truth. And you understand that you do receive it. It's a gift. It's nothing that you earn. It's nothing that we're working for. And definitely not what I'm teaching today is that you have to work for your salvation. That you're a doer so you can be saved. That's not the case at all. You receive the word. It's a gift from God. It's a gift that can change you. But he says you're going to put away the filthiness and rampant wickedness. You've got to put away those things that are displeasing to God. So you've got to come in the room, and you've got to be ready to listen. But then you have to get rid of anything that would oppose God so that you're able to receive with meekness, with gentleness, with humility. The Sermon on the Mount, chap- Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, says this. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Does that describe you as you come in to hear God's word? Are you ready to receive what might be presented before you? Are you ready to take it in, listening carefully to every word? If it's in your own study time, looking to God's word and saying, okay, God, I'm ready. I want to listen to you. I want to hear what you have to say. If you're in your Bible study, the same goes. Just ready to receive whatever the Lord has for you at that particular time in your life. It takes, me- it takes meekness to admit that you need to get rid of your sin. It takes meekness to humble yourself when you come in a room like this. It takes meekness to humble yourself before a mighty God. But he has the answers. This act of humility, it prepares us to receive the implanted word. I love that. It says, with meekness, you receive the implanted word. If you think about it, it's like this picture of your heart being prepared. The planting of the word going into your very soul. It's like the parable of the sower that throws the seeds, right? The seeds are the word of God, and the sower is throwing out these seeds, and some of them land along the side of the path, and the birds come, and they eat them up. They eat all the seeds. That's an unprepared heart. And the sower goes on, and he throws some more seeds, and it lands on very shallow dirt. And they sprout up. The seeds sprout up right away, but... Once they sprout up, they get scorched by the sun, right? Because the heart's not prepared fully. Or they're sown amongst the thorns and the weeds, and this word of God gets mixed in with all the thorns and the weeds, and the weeds end up coming up and choking out the word of God. That's an unprepared heart. But he's saying prepare yourself in meekness so that you're ready for this implanted word that it doesn't just go away, but instead It sinks deeply in your heart on a soil that can be receptive, that can actually grow and change you from the inside. Are you ready? Because it's able to save your soul. You see that sailor, that, that captain that's out on that boat, he could save the people on his ship if he would have did just follow those instructions. He could have saved them in their life in the here and now. But the word, the implanted word of God that goes deeply inside of you can actually save your soul. It's an eternal saving. I would say that's pretty important, wouldn't you? Verse 22, he goes on and he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Be doers. In the text, that's the command in this particular passage. Be doers is the command. And if you think about it, it's actually a word that explains or describes who you are. It doesn't tell you just go do something like a one-time thing. Instead, what it's saying is be doer. Be identified as one that continuously does God's word. It's kind of like if you paint for a day or on a weekend. You could say, yeah, I painted that project. I took care of that and I painted that, but I'm not really a painter. Whereas if you painted for a living and it's something you do day in and day out, all of a sudden you would say you are actually a painter. It's the same picture in this text. It's saying be a doer. So people look at you and they say, you're the person that actually does continually doing the will of God, continually doing, not just hearing His Word, but actually involved in doing it so that you don't deceive yourselves. How do people deceive themselves? Well, you know, I know a lot about the Bible, so I must be okay. I go to church every Sunday, and I know that's what you're supposed to do if you're religious, so I, I, I must be okay. I have a Bible study, right? I have some verses on my wall at home and some on my refrigerator, so I must be okay. See, I'm a good hearer of the Word. I hear the Word. I have the Word implanted all over, but am I really deceiving myself? Is it changed me inside? Am I actually a doer? Is it changing the way I live? Is it changing the way that I act and react in all situations in life? Now, mind you, we'll never be perfect at this, but is your heart bent for this? You see, that's always the question. It's not, are you doing it perfectly, but is this what you're striving after? When you hear something, is there a conviction and a change that you want to make? And maybe you don't always do it just right, but your, your heart is always to go in that direction, always leaning towards following God's word. And when you don't and when you fall short, are you quick to confess? Maybe hearers just come to hear the message. Maybe they come just to rate the speaker. Maybe they come just to compare the people who actually deliver the message, but they're not really listening to what the message says. Maybe they come and they're too concerned about different aspects of the church. Music's too loud, music's too soft, music's too hard. Maybe they're just interested in different programs that the church has to offer. You see, maybe their mind's just busy and they're these hearers that are just going on and busy with everything that has nothing to do with actually what's being taught. Maybe they come with a consumer mentality that it's all about them. Maybe they see other people's sin, but they don't see their own. So when they hear, they're hearing the word, but they're saying, oh, you know, so-and-so really needs to hear this. Right, This is going to be a good message for them. I'm really glad the pastor talked about this today because I know a few people that aren't doers. It's not me, though. They may even think that they're just a a blessing just by being there. I'll bless you with my presence. I'll bless you by coming today. But don't think that I need something from this. The bottom line is they hear the words, but they miss the message. They deceive themselves because they think that they're already good enough. They don't need anything else. They think maybe that knowledge is enough. If I just know enough, I'll be fine, but I don't have to really act on it. And you know, that reminds me a lot of the, the last passage I preached when I was up here, Matthew 7. If you remember, there were two paths, and on the one path, it was narrow, and it led to heaven, and the other path was wide, and it led to destruction. And all those people that were on the path that said, many will find this path, and those many that were on it, they get up to the end, and there's Jesus. And they say, we know a lot. We've done a lot. We prophesied in your name, Jesus. We've done all these great things. And Jesus says, depart from you, you workers of evil or you doers of evil for I never knew you. You see it's not enough. We can't just be hearing the word. The word has to actually change us. And we have to prepare ourselves to be able to hear, to be able to receive and then be ready to take action in the word itself. Goes on in verse 23. It says, "For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once and he forgets. Some of you might have been wondering what this was. It's a mirror. I imagine that most everybody in this room looked at themselves this morning before they came in, am I right? Like this man, you took a look at yourself in the mirror, as you do most every day, and see some of you maybe not so much, (laughs) kidding of course, (laughs) totally kidding. But it's this picture of going and looking inside the mirror and then seeing something on you, seeing something that should be fixed. And it's this man that goes and he sees something and he notices that he has to fix it. Maybe it's like before you go to work and there's a stain on your shirt. Maybe you spilt some coffee, right? Or maybe you got one of those cowlicks that are sticking up and they're straight in the air and you don't want to go to work and everybody to see with that. So you notice it in the mirror and you're going to take care of it, but something distracts you. You get pulled to the side. All of a sudden the phone rings, something happens. You leave the mirror where you were just looking at what was going on and you forget about it. Kind of like that captain, right? And then you end up going out and you go to work or wherever it is that you're going and someone points out, oh, you got this thing and you're like, oh, that's right. I was looking at that. I noticed that. And you see, that's what we do with the word. We, something comes up and we say, hey, that's in my life. I got to change that. That's something that needs to be changed. And instead of working on changing it right away, we walk away from it. And soon enough, we forget. And see, that's the picture he's giving It's simple, right? Last month, I had a surgery, and I had to get my neck cut open, and I got kind of a disgusting picture to show you. That was my neck. It's terrible, right? Now, picture if I look in the mirror, and I look at myself, go ahead and take that off now. If I look at myself, and I see this thing hanging out of my neck, you can go ahead and remove that. (laughs) I don't want anybody, we don't. I have bags in here or anything. But you see, I had this thing hanging out of my neck. Now, picture this, I was at the doctor's office, and he had to remove this tube that was then hanging out of my neck. And just imagine, if I'm in the doctor's office, before he gets to removing the tube, all of a sudden I get a phone call, I run out of the office, and I get in my car. I call up my wife and I say, ''Hey, hon, how's it going? You want to meet for lunch?'' Hey, let's go meet at Wood Ranch. Let's have lunch together. And then I proceed to go over to Wood Ranch, and she comes and sees me. I'm sitting in the booth waiting for her, and I have this hose hanging out of my neck. You would say, that's ridiculous. Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you take care of that right away? And that's exactly what James is talking about. He's saying... These things get pointed out. We hear God's word. They convict us. There are things that need to be changed. Some of them are minor. It's like a little stain on your shirt. But some of them are major. And we'll still walk out and we'll just forget about it. Happens all the time in counseling. I counsel people, and they have big problems in their life maybe a failed marriage, maybe unfaithfulness in the marriage. And I'll sit them down and I'll I'll try to figure out what's going on and I'll ask them about it and they'll explain it to me and then I'll say, But you know that's not right, don't you? And I'll say, Yeah. But then why are you continuing to stay in it? Don't have an answer. Struggling with a sin and it's been weeks or maybe months or maybe even years in some cases. Hey, I've talked to all different people. Nothing seems to be working for me. And you see, they're looking for someone to somehow help them instead of the true word of God that can save their souls, actually allowing that to penetrate and change them. Why is that? Is it because maybe they say they trust the messenger, but they don't? Is it because they think maybe they need something else with this? Like this isn't sufficient? How can they continue on and on and on in that ugliness when the word of God is so clear? And not just enable it or allow it to change where they're at. That's a hearer. And not a doer. But he goes on in the next verse. And he says, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Notice, it's not he'll be blessed by his doing. He'll be blessed in his doing. You see, there's a blessing in doing what's right. There's a blessing when you're walking in the will of God. There's a blessing by following the Lord and actually allowing your life to be changed and conformed into the image of Christ. There's a blessing in that. That's where true joy comes from. You know that, right? True joy comes from when you let go of the sin, you let go of the things of the world, and you start following Christ, and you let all that other stuff go. And as you follow Christ, you understand this joy that can't come from the world. Because the world's joy is really not joy at all. It's happiness. It's it's all on happenstance. It's all based on what's good and what's bad in your life. And it ebbs and flows over and over. We're up and we're down. But the joy of the Lord, by walking in his will, all of a sudden that guilt is gone. There's a freedom that happens. If you look at this verse, it says, but the one who looks, that word for looks, or the definition of that is actually stoops down. It's the idea of stooping and looking in. It's coming close to. It's like wanting the word so badly that you're so intent in looking into it. I wrote down some other verses where that same word is used. It's used in Luke. It says this, Peter going to the tomb, but Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. It's this picture of him stooping and looking. He he so intently wants to see Jesus inside this tomb. What's going on in there? The same was said in Mary and John. It says, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb like this beautiful picture of just this intense wanting to go to the Word and wanting to absorb it and get real close to it to really understand it so it can actually change you. It also talks about the Lord stooping for us. The psalmist writes in Psalm 40, he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined or stooped to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry blog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song on my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. So there's this idea of stooping, of coming close, of drawing into the word and allowing it to change you. But it's also called the perfect law. The perfect law, Psalm 19 says this, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey dripping from the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Is that how you see the word? Is that how you see God's word? Is it the perfect law? Is it the law of liberty? The law that liberates you from sin. It liberates you from all bondage. If you just follow the law, if you live in the law, it frees you from all of that. Remember Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the prophets and the law. I came to fulfill them. So now the law is this new law through Christ. It's salvation. It's salvation. We need to be doers of the word, not just hearers. We need to be a church that when people see us, that they come to us, and they see us as people that really believe what we say. What a beautiful thing that would be, wouldn't it? It happens in the church. I just praised all the people that were helping out in VBS. We have life groups that are going on, but we need to strive more and more, never being satisfied, always wanting to be right before God and in his will. We need to make sure that we're not just fooling ourselves, deceiving ourselves. Some of the ways we do that, by the way, are this. Maybe you've come to a service for a long time and you've heard the message about Christ. Maybe you heard the message of the gospel. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And you say, Yeah, I believe that. But you've never done anything with it. Maybe someone walked you down the Romans road, right? That all have sinned and fall short to the glory of God and pointed out how the sin nature is brought forth by Adam and now we're all stained with sin. God being a righteous God, a holy God, a just God has to pay or or put a penalty on that sin that you have. That sin separates you from him. There's no amount of works that you can do on your own to make yourself right before God. It's only by the grace of God through faith in Christ, that you can be saved. So they explain to you the Roman road. We go to Romans 6 now, and they say the wages of sin is what? Death. And that's what you deserve, is you deserve death. But then they go on to explain to you, maybe Romans 5, and they say, God demonstrated his love for you in this, that while you were sinners, Christ died for you. So understand you no longer have to live under this condemnation. All you have to do is put your trust in this one who came so that you might have life. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That if you put your trust in that, again, it's nothing you earn, it's just receiving, it's receiving the truth of God, it's receiving his word, that you can be saved and secure. Later we're going to have a baptism and the baptism is going to show that commitment, show that change that actually happened in someone's life but there's others that sit through church and they do nothing about it. They hear this truth for years maybe and they never take the step of faith, letting go and trusting in the Lord. Church is a time that we listen. It's a time we receive and it's time that we act on the things that we hear. Jesus put it this way, Sermon on the Mount, Luke chapter 6, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been built well. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great." Let's go back to the story of that sailor, that captain that's on the ship. Let's suppose he gets that that call, that radio call from shore, and he picks up the radio, and he listens, and he finds out that it's a coast guard, and he receives the same instruction that he had before. He tells him he was headed for the storm, he was headed for disaster, he's not going to make it unless he turns. And let's say he put that that phone down, and right away he took action. He turns that ship 45 degrees to the north. He gets on the phone inside the boat. He calls down to the engine room. He said, full steam ahead. we got to really make a move for this. And that boat passes by the storm. He's saved, and the crew is saved. We would say, that's a smart man. And you know, it would be really cool about that, if that were a true story, that those near 100 people that were on the ship, they saw the faithfulness of the captain, and they saw the trust that he had, that maybe one day when they get the call, that they would have that same trust. Maybe they would have that same faith, and maybe they would take action. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much again for your word. Lord, may we be a people that truly put into action what we hear. And today, Lord, my prayer is all the things that we've heard in the past, all the time we spent in your word, all the time we spent with each other, all the time that we spent in this room, Lord, bring to mind areas in our life that we need to change. Lord, let us not walk away again today ignoring the conviction that you give us. Thank you for your grace. We want to come with humbleness. We want to be able to be prepared, Lord, to change. And, Lord, in that, we want that to bring you honor and glory. So, Lord, help us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.